You are familiar with the way Sokar has assumed the persona of the entity on Earth known as the Devil? Yeah. A bit pretentious, don't you think? You must understand when I say that if Salmak is still alive, he has been sent to hell. As in? A place of eternal suffering and damnation from which there is no return. Welcome back to Stargate Weekly. I'm Thad Haight. And I'm Stuart Hollis. And this week, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 12, Jolinar's Memories. Even though this episode ends on a cliffhanger, it does sort of feel like it's hard to escape from. Hmm. Okay. And it originally aired on the 22nd of October, 1999. It was written by Sonny Wareham and Daniel Stashauer, or Stashauer. Neither of them have written any other Stargate episodes. I couldn't find any credits of any kind for Sonny Wareham. His IMDb page is this. Daniel Stashauer, his IMDb page is also this, but according to Wikipedia, he has written a few books. Okay. It was directed by Peter DeLuise. I do not know what, if any, cameo he had in this. I'll assume it was one of the, one of the prisoners screaming in agony. Sure. Most people call this episode Jolinar's Memories, but the French call it Flames of Hell Part 1. Ooh. I don't hate that. Which means next week, the French will literally call it Flames of Hell Part 2. Yes. that That's my understanding of how numbers and French work. Yeah. So we have some interesting, like, music in the ver- in the cold open. Like, it this weird like almost upbeat strange background music that i don't think we've heard before or if we have not often it just seemed odd in its placement uh yeah no, i'm back to largely ignoring the music again so i didn't uh, i didn't catch it i was you know more focused on it was not walter saying not unscheduled activation mm. so you know they they get the the tokra gdo how do they know when to walk through? They get a confirmation code back. Oh, uh, that's true, yeah. Okay. And I don't remember if we had ever actually called this out, but if we did, it's been quite some time. But GDO literally stands for Garage Door Opener. I think we did talk about this before. And so we get Martouf and two other guys. Uh, yes, and as is often the case with the Tokra, there's the one person who talks and the other two who just stand or sit there. And well, the other never... two didn't have like sag credits okay that's fine why didn't martuf just come alone that's my ah, okay. like, why are you bringing on like why are you bringing extra guys if they're not gonna actually contribute anything mm. to the situation they didn't even like it wasn't even like one of them was carrying an offering or like tokra briefcase with tokra like briefing notes and stuff in it it was just yeah we didn't have one immediately run back into the gate to grab something this time even when did that happen 
in the one with the Ritu. As when they say this is a Ritu, uh, Selmak says something in Tokra, and the guy just like runs out of the room to to go back to the Tokra world to grab the. Uh, oh yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, the the anti Ritu thing that has an acronym that I forget. Uh, something something rod. Yeah, something A V R maybe. A A T R. I don't know. Doesn't matter. So so yeah. So they get the Toker GTO, and Jack says to Sam, "Maybe it's Dad." Which? <laughs> why not your Dad? That was just. It felt weird. Anyway, it seemed okay for Jack. Yes. You know, it is Martuf that go up under the briefing room, and he gives them the skinny on the fact that Selmak has been taken prisoner by Sokar and dumped on Natu. Well, they think he was dumped on Natu. Yes. They don't actually know. Right. Which is, well, literally hell. Yeah. As Daniel explains to us. Yeah. Sokar had taken this moon and opened up rifts to... The, the, you know, geo to the molten core so that it would literally be very much like hell, which seems... How do you do that without making the planet unstable? Or making the moon unstable? Maybe it is, and maybe he doesn't care. Eh, but, like, they later... It's a plot point in the second episode, in part two, about making it unstable, though. Would you have felt better if they had said, like, this process did make the moon, moon mildly unstable, and then later we'll exploit its instability to blow it up? Yes. Fair enough. Okay. Anyway, uh, Martuf also points out that no one has ever ex- escaped from Natu except one person, Jolinar. And, but Jolinar never told Martuf how it happened, because and... He believes that Jolnar was keeping things secret from him to avoid hurting him. Yes. And as it turns out, she was. Yeah. Just a little. They they find out that the reason why Selmak was there was because they suspect that Sokar is building up his forces so he can go out and attack the other system lords and become supreme system lord of the galaxy. Which we later find out is also true. Yes. And Teal helpfully explains how that is not good. <laughs> you know, having I don't know how many system lords there are. Let's just say ten. Uh-huh. You know, having ten roughly matched egomaniacs each vying for power is much better than having one more powerful egomaniac actually yes. in control. So yeah. it makes sense. When they're fighting each other, they don't have as much time to fight us. Ultimately, they decide clearly they need to go rescue Selmak. Yeah. But just rushing in there, it's not going to work. They only need Martuf and SG-1. Yes, because even though even though Jack says they can do Coverge, Martuf is not so sure about a full military incursion. Uh, right, and also, as we'll find out shortly, they couldn't have brought more than a few people anyway. Right. Hammond approves the rescue mission, and, we've, and now is when we find out that they're all going to be going on a cargo ship, that does not have a cloak. Right. Uh, because there is no Stargate on the moon. And I feel like in this one they talk about, uh, Martuf seems surprised to hear about uh, the cloaked cargo ship they encountered earlier. But, like, with it, like, it won't be long before just about every cargo ship they use is cloaked. Yeah, it sure feels that way, at least. However, the idea that they were going to be using a cargo ship was a surprise to Jack, and he doesn't like surprises. No, he does not. And... How exactly 
how is Martuf supposed to deliver this information such that Jack would not be able to say, wait, that's a surprise too. I didn't know that Sokar's name was spelled that way. I think Jack wanted that to be part of the original briefing. Yeah, I mean, fair enough, but it makes a certain degree of sense that Martuf's not going to be able to deliver every single piece of information right. that they need in like a 15-minute sit-down. I suppose the cargo ship one could have been... That that part could have been included. Yeah, it could have. And we also, as they're on their way there, we find out that Teal'c won't be going down with them because they only have pods for, uh, for Martuf, Daniel, Jack, and Sam. Yes, and Martuf calls them descent pods, not like escape pods or anything. And so now I'm wondering, are there like Jaffa drop troopers? I feel like if there were, we would see them. Four at a time. <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, like, you know, future knowledge, those, you know, super cool, uh, like special warriors or whatever. Those Call could have some drop trooper action. Yeah, those, those could have some, uh. They could to- totally do a drop trooper four at a time of those. That would be, yeah. Yeah, yeah that would have been, you know, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Did you notice, uh, Daniel checking the, the crystals? When they first got on board the, the cargo ship. I did not. Yeah, he like flips back the little cover and like he and Jack share a look and flips it back. <laughs> as as if say like, Yep, all the crystals are there, the self destruct's not on. <laughs> that is a nice little t- touch that I did not note at all, so I'm Yeah, that's cool. I also wonder, does Teal'c need to have his hands on the orby like the the steering orb at all times, even when in hyperspace? Like that's dumb yeah it would feel a little dumb maybe it's all like maybe you also don't get autopilot on the base model teltech mm, that could be it's not a teltech it's a we were told it was a teltech no the teltech's the bridge this is a no that's a peltech you're right it is a teltech never mind cool <laughs> you're right peltech is bridge teltech is cargo ship but we won't. We also won't hear it called the Teltac much longer either. It'll just be cargo ship, right? So while Teal'c is flying the the cargo ship, apparently it's a hands on process the whole time, which is ridiculous. A little bit. We pan back to the cargo area where the rest of the team is all just hanging out. Daniel's fishing for food or something and asking Martuf some questions. The conversation really didn't matter. And ultimately, what it comes down to is that Tartu, uh, Tartuf, Martuf. <laughs> has brought one of those little memory puck things to stick on the side of Sam's head to try to dredge up memories of Jolinar. And this is where we learn that they don't have to show everybody what you're see- what you're remembering. No, I had actually assumed that that was like a like an add-on feature before anyway because like after our heroes had gotten out of their weird bed things and were just like ra- like roaming the halls. They kept having memory flashes, but it wasn't like it was oh, showing true. the other person what was happening. But I guess that little disc thing also includes a hollow emitter. That's it's pretty impressive. Yeah, like I, I just assumed that it was a separate thing altogether until some until somebody. I think it was Daniel. Yeah, Daniel, Daniel asks yeah. if we're going to see it. Well, Daniel right. says, so we're going to see it, as if, like, assuming, because that's how it was when they last saw this. And Martuf is saying no, because we want to respect Sam's privacy. Yeah. 
So maybe, so, but he made it sound like like the device itself could do it, but maybe he meant that he wasn't gonna like break out the second box that would do it. But anyway, so yeah, so Sam dives into her memories, and the first one is her finding out that her mother has died, which has nothing at all to do with the mission. So you know, get your mind right, Sam. A little bit. So Martuf coaches her along to get her to conjure up the memory of of he and Jolinar on the beach of whatever watching the moons and i think this is the first time that we actually see jolinar's face yeah so now here's the question was jolinar the name of the symbiote or this host i think just the host no it had to be the symbiote so what was the name of this host rasha oh did they say it yeah they did at a certain point they said it oh okay the Tokra have this weird thing where some of them are referred to more often by their host and some are more often by their symbiote, and it's confusing. Yeah, they they should really do some sort of, like, combined naming thing like the Dax. Yes, do it like the Trill. Like on, the Trill, yeah. Yeah, on, on Star Trek. That would make so much more sense. Yeah, you know, Jacob and Selmac could be, you know, Jake Mac. Yeah, or just Jacob Selmac. Yeah, that works too. Yeah, so I suppose it's the first time we've seen Rasha's face. And there's no excuse for them not doing that, since Star Trek Deep Space Nine had already been on the air when Stargate right. started. In fact, it, ha- it has already gone off the air at this point. Uh, anyway, Rasha, Jolinar, mm-hmm. uh, was played by Tanya Reed, mm-hmm. who was in Seven Days. Ah! Was she in the uh, Dead Zone? No, no, no one knew on this episode, and there were plenty of new people on this episode. We had one old person in this episode. Well, technically, we had two old people in this episode. Technically, we had three old people in this episode. <laughs> or four, if you count Martouf. Uh What's your count of four? Selmac. Yeah. Martouf. Yeah. Apophis. Yeah. And before it was Apophis, it was not played by... Right. Peter yeah. Williams. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. No, I'm just making sure that we had the same number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. None of the new people on this episode, of which there were many, mm-hmm. were on the dead zone, which is just more's the pity. But another actor, Eli Gabay, G A B A Y, it's best I got, was also in Seven Days. <laughs> he played a character named Jumar who I don't think ever actually gets called out by name, but he must have said something at some point in order to get credited. Sure. Yeah, so I, I don't know who the heck the guy was. He's probably one of the prisoners. Or yeah, like, or one of, like, the, you know, like, the people who form up, like, the, the new guards. Not quite guards, but, you know, the armed denizens, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I but... appreciated the use of the word denizens. That was cool. And they used it so many times. Mm-hmm. But anyway... So yes, that's, I think that's the first time we've ever seen Rasha's face. Yeah, I think so. I was actually kind of surprised that it wasn't uh, Sam. That like, that she would have... that. It's weird how the memories play out, because they play out in third person. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is, it, which I guess is more cinematic, but they really, should be, they really should play out in first person. Yeah, and if they don't, they should be showing Sam in the place of Jolinar. Yes. Right, yeah, yeah. Or, or old Sam in the place of young Sam. Mm-hmm. If, if this memory recall technology somehow, like, allows you to view your memories in a third-person way. That's weird. Somehow. Uh, yeah. 
I think we can just assume it shows us third person because we're us. But that's why it should be Sam. Exactly. So they continue with the process, and eventually, and Sam then gets the memory of Joel and R being tortured. That's always fun. Uh, yes, especially when this is when we find out that the memory devices can produce very realistic recall. I am sorry. The memory technology can provide very realistic sensory recall. Jack tells Martouf to turn it off, and then he takes Martouf aside to try to get him to take it easy on Sam during the process. Yeah, Martouf is saying, well, if Sam can't remember, we can't do this. To which Jack replies, hey, listen, if it's been done once, it can be done, it can be done again. He's not wrong. Usually not. But. But. But we do end up actually going down without Sam remembering how she got out. Correct. In the pods that travel at great velocity. But uh, I guess have really good inertial dampeners of some kind. Yes, otherwise the G in SG-1 would, sta- would stand for goo. <laughs> Star goo SG-1. Well, that's what they would be if they didn't have inertial dampeners. That's true. So we have some pretty cool practical effects when Jack gets out of the pod. We're on the pl- planet or soundstage that looks like a planet. With sure. the fog and everything. It and the red tint to the camera, it looks pretty creepy. Oh, yeah. No, it looks great. You know, it, it's... And this to me feels like a much better prison than the last time they were in a prison. Yes. And even the uh, the lar- the panning shot where we see the... I guess... I can't tell for sure if it's a matte painting or a CG. It could be... It's probably a combination of the two. Uh, that doesn't look bad. It holds up pretty well. Oh yeah, no. All in all, most of the most of the effects on this episode held up pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I like Jack saying that at least it's dry heat. <laughs> yeah. Although even for all that, they really were not sweating very much for most of the episode, and that kind of bugged me. They sweat more next episode. Yeah, no, I know. But even then, like, I feel like they should be like permanently dripping at all times if it's that hot. If it's a dry heat, they wouldn't actually. I I generally don't don't know this because i don't spend much time around dry heats okay seriously yeah you don't sweat like you do in uh, or or what sweat you have often evaporates and you don't you're not drenched in unless you're like if you're going for a jog or something you probably would sweat but i've been in there in hot desert places in the summer and it it's very hot. It's like being in an oven, but you don't sweat a lot. I yeah, I'll I'll take your firsthand experience. Yeah, I have not been in the desert in I don't know, like twenty five years or something. And when I was there, it was October. So so yeah, they're they're hot. They tell Tilk they're there. Mm-hmm. Carter has a memory of Binar. Yes, the big ugly dude who runs the who runs the joint. He looks like a that guy, but I looked at his credits and I don't think I've seen him in anything else. But yeah, no, he definitely has a sort of a that guy aspect to him, but nothing. Yeah, and this is when uh, this is when we first meet Neonak. Mm-hmm. And he is played by Dion Johnston. Who? So we've got <laughs> some interesting things here because Dion Johnson played Captain Nelson back in Rules of Engagement. We commented at the time on how interesting it was that he played two fake SG team members. In this episode, we also have him playing someone who is not who they appear to be. Yes, he just 
Yeah, one of these days he's gonna he, he'll play a character that is like just what it is what that is just what it says on the ten, and I I don't know if I'm about to handle that episode if it happens. <laughs> that said, we only know it's Dion Johnson because of the credits. Uh, right, exactly. Because when he takes off his helmet, he's no longer Dion Johnson. No, no, no. But I, I saw the name come up in the in the opening credits, and it's like, wait a second, <laughs> wasn't that that guy? <laughs> yeah, I know, right. So yeah, we Leonak is the first prime of Binar. Yes, and Binar is not happy that. Uh, well, is happy, but not in a way that Carter would like. No, that Jolinar is here. Yeah, no, he. Uh, you know, Binar ribbons Jack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that that's another thing. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of the denizens come rushing. Sam shoots one, and the guy's like, well, that was annoying, and then just keeps running, and that was pretty impressive. Yeah. And they are cast into the pit of despair. Don't even think... <laughs> Don't even think about trying to escape. Well, of course, the pit. Yes. And <laughs> Jack says thank you when they... <laughs> yeah. Once they're down there, though, they find Jacob. Yeah, he's not doing so well. No, 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 no. I started to say he isn't feeling too hot, but I imagine actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of them even like made that comment at one point, <laughs> <laughs> probably, uh, or something similar to it. I have a note somewhere, uh, but I did notice that Martuf gave him a little bit of a Gould Gatorade. Hmm. Well, you know. Sometimes. Something to help the symbiote, apparently. Yes. And Jacob is not happy that they have come, especially that Sam has come. Right. Uh, at this point, we cut to Teal'c on the shuttle, and he sees a uh, a matter stream, a ring beam, whatever, flowing from the moon to the planet, and it's Binar off to thank Sokar for sending Jolinar back to him so that he can exact his slow, torturous revenge. And Sokar's like, say what? Nah, that ain't me. Speaking of Sokar, mm-hmm. he is played by David Paffy, who will later play Anubis. Oh, cool. And they, There are a lot of similarities between Sokar and Anubis. <laughs> like, visual similarities. He's got the hood. They both favor hoods. Yeah. Also... The weird thing that Sokar's doing with the candle, what is that? Yeah, because it's not like he's, like, playing his fingers through the flame as if to be like, you see how I feel no pain? And such no. sort of, like, It's just, like, near, near the... It. Yeah, it's weird. And he, like, goes back to do it after Binar leaves, so it's not just, like, a thing to show off or something. Uh, yeah, and I, I was always expecting him to do something with the candle. Like, there was... Like, some moment where he gave someone an order, and I felt like it could have been, like, good for him to then, like, like out the out the candle or something mm-hmm. as, like, a final note to whatever it is his order was. But that never happens. He just sort of stares at it and moves his hand around. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Apparently, Sokar likes props. Yeah. He's got some interesting fingernails, too. He's got an interesting lot of things. <laughs> yes. Like, his eyes, when they're not glowing, are yellow. He's got, like, the weird blue fa- veins and everything going on. He's He's, he's never look. He hasn't seen a, the sun in, like, 20 years. <laughs> yeah, apparently. It, it almost makes me think, why didn't he take on the persona of, like, Vlad the Impaler or something instead <clears throat> of the devil? Well, because he wants some, some people to have sympathy for him, and no one has sympathy for Bat- Vlad the Impaler, but there's a whole song about it with the devil. 
<laughs> nice. So after that, they're talking to Teal'c, and Naonak shows up and is like, and insists that Carter come with him. Uh, yes. Just before this, though, we find out from Jacob that Sokar's fleet is ten times bigger than they thought it was. Which is why they were talking to Teal'c. Uh, yeah, like really kind of like falling down on the intel there, Tokra. Jeez. Seriously. Like, twice as big. Okay. But yeah. Ten times? Dang. How, how, how on earth would he even like have amassed a fleet that size without someone noticing? I don't know, man. I mean, it's not like we ever, like, in the whole run of the show, we never see a shipyard. You know, that's true. We never do. Like, like, like not... I, I mean, I guess in seasons 9 and 10, we do see Ori ships being built. But that's, like, the closest we ever come to it. Most of the time, like, once they... Like, even when they're just launching a brand new ship, it's already built. It just needs to, you know, have, like, the plastic wrap taken off and a new coat of paint or something, and that's it. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's weird that we never see shipyards. It is strange. You'd think they would have had, like, the episode where they have to take care of it. The, they have to, like, destroy the Gould shipyards. Right. That'd be a great episode. Mm-hmm. And then they just accidentally blow up a sun in the process or something. Or deliberately. Yeah, sure, you know, like, whatever it takes. Yeah, you blow up one sun. <laughs> yeah. So... Neonak brings Sam to Blynar, who is not pleased. Especially, yeah, no, he's he finds that he re- he very quickly realizes that Jolinar is not inside her, right? And he he looks her up and down with his one non oozy eye. Okay, so how long ago did Sokar punish Blynar for Jolinar escaping? Like, it, like why is he still leaking pus? Maybe he picks at it. Because eh. we've got... We're, th- we're talking like a year and a half ago since Jolinar died. Yeah, that's a good... I had not considered that. So maybe Binar somehow managed to keep the escape un- under wraps for a or while? Is there something like some really torturous thing that Sokar did to him that like prevents it from healing? But there's so much scar tissue. Yeah, no, tell me about it. It's a mess. Alright, so Sokar is interrogating her. He finds out that she was host to Jolinar. Jolinar is now dead. Yeah, and, and she gets another flash of, of, of memory, and this time it's uh, Jolinar like, seducing Binar. And then afterwards, she goes over, takes a jewel out of Binar's necklace, puts it in a thingy, and the rings come down. And Sam takes this like long look at the necklace then at the thingy and then up above where the rings come from and it's like dude could you be more obvious and now Binar is starting to ribbon her but Neonek kills him yeah I mean that just came out of nowhere yeah like for real I mean we did notice that when once uh, Neonek hauled her in there and then left he did leave the door cracked open oh I did not notice but okay I noticed. <laughs> well, that's because you are more dedicated than I am. Yeah, it, it plays back over to him standing in the hallway and the door is like clearly open. Did you notice it the first time you watched the episode? Yes. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, I just am bad. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so Neonat kills uh, Binar. And then sends Carter back to the dungeon, which is weird. 
Yeah. And at this point, Daniel is calling Jack because Sam, had, Sam, not Jack, Teal. Anyway, uh, so at this point, Sam has filled in the rest of the team on the fact that, hey, now I know how Joel and R escaped. There's a ring platform. We can do the things with the stuff and we can make a tree and get the heck out of here. And at this point, the ship that Sokar sent after Teal like a while ago finally found him. Uh, yeah. And, you know, how bad are Death Glider pilots at their job? I know. Like, Teal'c wasn't even expecting them to be there, and they still miss. Right, no, because, I mean, first of all, the visibility out of the cargo ship is garbage. There's just, like, the two windows that point straight forward. There are no side windows at all. And, apparently, they don't have anything like sensors or radar or or anything. Because yeah. Teal'c didn't know they were there until they were firing. There were two of them. They both miss. Well, they hit, like, one. Like... I think, like, one blast hit. But, like, what the heck, guys? Yeah. It's sitting still. I guess targeting on death gliders is just as bad as targeting on staff weapons, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they could really do with, like, those cool, like, pop-up, like, big staff turret things that had, like, still the, like, the... Yeah, they still miss, but they at least had, like, some sort of, like, sight reticle to them. Yeah, and yet they still missed. Terrible. <laughs> So, yeah, so Daniel calls Teal'c in the middle of all of this because they've come up with a wily plan to activate the rings and then have Teal'c fly the cargo ship to intercept the matter stream. Yes, and Teal'c, of course, being Teal'c, doesn't even tell them that he's under attack. He's just like, okay. Yeah, like not even like, you know, hey, you know, give me a second, I'm a little busy. Nothing like that. Nah, he's just like, I'll do it. Yes. So then we have Martu fiddling. uh, Well, they're missing the crystal, so they can't just go. I guess we skipped over a little bit there. You skipped their daring escape. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, yes. we're at least like, well, at least step one of their daring escape. Yeah. So the prison is now in chaos because the news that Binar is dead has gotten out. Uh, yes. They come down to investigate the pit, and Dan's just like standing in the middle talking on the radio rock. And they're just like, you know, what are you doing there? He's like, oh, I'm just, you know, calling my friend, tell him how we're going to escape. <laughs> And they they come in and they get ambushed by Jack and Sam. Yes. Our heroes make their way out of the pit. They get up back to Binar's chambers where Binar is still lying there dead. Yes. Just just there. Just, yeah. just being there dead. But the crystal is missing. Yes. But Martouf, being a clever fellow, starts to fiddle with the controls. He breaks them open and is like, yeah, I can just like do this manually. Yeah, yeah. And then Jack is guarding the door. Telling him to just take all the time he needs. We'll take time. Take all you need. Yes. Being a little sarcastic. Yeah, and of course, Jack. The door is definitely taking a pounding, quite literally. Yes. And just as they are about to activate the ring platform, the door blows open because it's been ribboned by Naonak. And they, and they, uh, they all get captured, and Naonak is like, I am no longer Naonak. He removes his head and stops being Dion Johnson. He removed his head? <laughs> his helmet. <laughs> he stops being Dion Johnson and becomes Peter Williams and says, I am Apophis. Or, I will now be known by my true name, Apophis. And I was like, oh dang, Apophis. Yeah. Well, the first time I saw this, yes, I was, oh dang, Apophis. Yeah, but... He's like Phantom of the Opera, Apophis. Yeah, I know. He's got like that cool, like gold, yeah, half 
faceplate with the scars and everything. Like, I'm not, like, you know. Sokar's really into giving people scars. That's what he does. I mean, like, you know, he's like, oh, scars. Yeah. Because his name is Sokar. So you just moved the O. Oh, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, I'm going to cut the whole thing. <laughs> like, Sokar cuts people's faces. <laughs> nice. Now you need to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and that's our episode. I don't think I I don't think I missed any notes that I wanted to talk about. How about you? No, we we covered everything. Yeah, I mean, I mean, clearly a cliffhanger, but it was still a solid episode. Oh yeah, no, I was definitely enjoying this. I enjoyed this uh, back when I. F- oh, we didn't talk about what we remembered from this. I remember most of this because I I really enjoyed both parts of this, and I've seen it several times. I, I I mean, as per usual, I mean, it's been so long since I've done an SG One rewatch that I, I don't remember most of the episodes at all. For whatever reason, I specifically remember when I first watched this this one because uh, this was I binged through season three uh, the summer after uh, I graduated high school, and I remember I specifically remember watching this one at that uh, like I like. You ever get that where you, like, remember exactly where you were when you first watched something? No. Okay. Well, Music, but not but not, uh, not watching things. Yeah, no, watching things, playing games, reading books, it all, it happens to me for all of those. Not, like, all the time, but some of the time. Oh, I did have one more note. Oh? Our synopsis from TV Guide. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In order to save her father, Carter must tap into the memories of Jolinar. Our synopsis from Stargate Wiki is, Martuf tells Major Samantha Carter that her father is captured by Sokar and sent to Hell, which is actually a prison moon Nitu, terraformed to make it resemble Hell. Carter and the rest of her team plan a rescue, but are later captured themselves. Yeah. Yeah. All in all, a solid episode, and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And although Sokar may pretend to be the devil, Apophis is the devil you know. Mmm. Conveniently, that is the name of next week's episode. Thank you for listening this week. If you enjoyed this, you should also check out our other podcast, Delta Flyer. You can find a review both on your podcast player of choice, and you can also reach us at our email address, StargateWeekly at gmail.com. I'm at Tyrannicus on Twitter. And I'm at Gamicus. And you can follow the show at Stargate Weekly. And that's our show. Yeah. <laughs>